Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 1 Peter. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Let's get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day of life and another opportunity to grow closer to you, Lord, and bring others into your kingdom, Lord. Help us never take it for granted. Thank you for saving us. And doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Returning grateful. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, one body, many parts. parts. We're grateful for each and every one of you that serve the soldiers and everyone here tonight. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father in Heaven, Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity again, Lord, to gather together in your church, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And become more and more like you. And learn more and more about your ways, Lord. Help your ways become our ways, Lord. Help us to put away our old ways. And give us the new ways, Lord. And the new days ahead of us, Lord. Help us to always forget the past. And look forward to what lies ahead, Lord. I pray that you give us all holy amnesia, Lord. Against people. That we forgive anyone who offends us, Lord. As you forgive us all the time, Lord. Help us to not get bitter or any root of bitterness grow up into the ministry, Father. But give us kind, loving hearts that you've all given us, Lord. Please let us operate in that, Lord. Let your system become our system, Father. And we're just grateful for all the people here that serve so faithfully. We pray for our nation. We pray for all the women in the, in the country and in the, in the ministry, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. As uh, one body, many parts, Lord, we need each other. I pray for the people that are sick. Our sister Doreen, that we get her back soon, Lord, that you heal her. And with miraculous signs, Lord, that you can only do, Lord. And we're grateful for that, Lord, if it be in your will, Lord. And we're just grateful for everyone here tonight, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit tonight, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand and worship the Lord.
Sounded like a full house. Amen. It is a full house. The angels are dancing with us. They're rejoicing with us. They're protecting us. You kidding me? They're watching uh, the miracle happen as God transforms each and every one of us day by day into his glorious image. Amen. They're amazed. So am I. <laughs> if he can change me, he can change anybody. Thank you, Jesus. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? Better now, right? Amen. All right, let's start off in Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. Let's see, got us in verse 11. Let's see what we are here. Okay. Eleven, huh? All right, let's go on eleven. Let's start at eleven. <laughs> All right, the Holy Spirit is going to take over now as I go into scriptures. So try to keep keep your mind clear and your heart pure to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen. Okay. Shout out to our live feed too. Watching from around the world tonight. One body. Many parts, many parts. They're all everywhere. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to come in the spirit more. <laughs> spirit is willing, flesh is weak. We know that. Okay. Let's go on. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So God is going to keep working on the churches until we're all in unity. And I believe once the persecutions start coming more and more, I think the church is going to join more together because that's what's going to happen because it's through suffering that we get together. You know, just like any kind of um, natural disaster, when things happen like that, you, everybody comes together. They no differences. What color they are, what race they are, doesn't matter. Everybody comes to help each other. So through kinds of suffering, it seems like it brings people closer together. So when the church starts to suffer more, I believe they're going to join more in unity. So let's pray that that happens. All right. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's a lot of things out there that sound truthful, but they're not the truth. They're half-truths. And the devil likes to get people to believe that. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, 
like I always say, one body with many parts. All of us have different gifts and abilities. We don't all do the same thing. We all do what God calls us to do. It says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The whole goal of the church is to grow into the fullness of salvation, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which is unconditional love for each other. And that's what shows that we're all, we're doing the right thing, we're on the right track. We're learning to grow and love one another and accept one another. And people are using their gifts for the church. They're starting to put Jesus first in their lives. And it's a process and it takes time. Because a lot of people have been going through a lot of phony teaching all their life. And it's hard to get them back into the truth. It's a slow process of sanctification. Now it tells us in verse 17. Living as children of light. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, or no, live no longer as you used to do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they close their minds and harden their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned. See, we all have to learn to not do that about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. What is the ace trump of the devil in a, in a, in a believer's mind? Lust and deception. He always gets us back into our flesh with lust and deception. Instead, which we're doing tonight, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And the Spirit is the Spirit, the Word of God. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So Jesus is the head of the church, and he's, he's growing us into a fullness of salvation by sanctifying us, telling us that heaven's our home guaranteed, and now he's saying, I want you to grow up, become like me, become part of the army, and bring others into the kingdom. Stop building it now, because my return is near. Again, amen, this is what it's all about. And I guess Christians don't get that. Most of them, they come, go to church on Sunday, and just leave and go about their lives, instead of transforming into the image of Christ, and just making a decision to serve his body, instead of their own. Amen? Amen? It's a process. Okay, so let's go, let's go into our study now. Let's go into 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start from the beginning because we didn't even get into a couple of verses last week. I'm just going to summarize a little bit. In 1 Peter 2, it's talking about living as God's chosen people, okay? 1 Peter 2 begins, all right? By showing how we are being built into a spiritual house with the Lord Jesus as the cornerstone. Peter says we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Because of this, we are to live as strangers in this world, living good lives so that others will see and glorify God. We are instructed to submit to those in authority over us and to show proper respect 
and we are to follow the example of Christ Jesus. Now, the practical application of this part of this book is the assurance of eternal life is given to all Christians. Okay? One way to identify with Christ is to share in his suffering. We have to share in his suffering. To us, that would be to endure insults and slurs from those who call us goody two-shoes or holier than thou. <clears throat> That's a compliment. This is so minor compared to what Jesus Christ suffered, right, for us on the cross. Stand up for what you know and believe is right and rejoice when the world and Satan aim to hurt you. See, when you rejoice to do it, see, when you're teaching the right stuff or learning the right stuff or becoming the right person, you're going to get slandered. And Satan, they're all going to try to hurt you. But it says to rejoice when that happens because it builds endurance. He saved us so we could suffer for his namesake. And that's what he's doing. He's building up his church. Everybody wants to come to church, get blessed, and go about living their life like God is some genie in the sky missing the whole point of salvation. That's not what it's about. It's about dying to yourself and living a life worthy of your call and actually having a new purpose down here to serve God instead of yourself. You can't have both. You can't sit on the proverbial fence because the devil owns the fence. He does. <clears throat> because when, you're, when you teeter-totter with the world and the word, we've been in the world so long and in the world so little that we always lean towards the world. It's, it's in us. It's going to take a long time to lean the other way. So it's better to stay, to stay off the fence and, and on the right side of things and let the Lord do the work he needs to do in us. That's why what? Gathering with other believers, studying your Bible, reading scripture, fellowshipping with other believers, listening to messages. So you can what? Get, the, get your mind infected with the word of God and get the infection of the world out of there. And that's a process. Okay, verse 1, 1 Peter 2. It says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And a big amen there. Now listen. One characteristic children share is that they want to grow up, okay? To be like an older sibling, right? Or like their parents. Or like a hero they admire. When we are born again, we become spiritual newborn babies. Okay? If we are healthy... We will yearn to grow, wanting to model our lives after giants of the faith. Okay? How sad it is that some people never grow up in the church. They need, the need for milk is a natural instinct for a baby, and it signals the desire for nourishment that will lead to growth. Okay? Once you see your need for God's pure and life-giving word and begin to find nourishment in it in Christ, your spiritual appetite increases and you start to mature, right? How eagerly do you want to grow? How earnestly do you desire nourishment from God's word? That's how you know if you're growing. See, when you, when you start to mature in Christ, 
you want more and more of nourishment from the word and less and less nourishment from the world. So you want more of this and less of that. In the beginning, you still have a lot of that and not so much of this. But as you grow as a Christian, you want less of that and more of this. As the Holy Spirit starts to invade your life and starts to take over. And it's like something, there's nothing in you that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. You can't, this can't be forced. This can't be done in the flesh. It's just he gives us a desire to want to get to know him better. And then we start to lose the desire for the things of the world because it starts to become a hindrance from learning about the Lord. So we start to put that stuff aside, not because we have to, because we want to. So we can get clearer, a clearer mind to hear word, or get the nourishment from the word of God and actually let that get digested. So that stuff starts to pale in comparison, saying, wow, I'm really getting full. As you get a message from the word of God and you get on fire for the Lord, it's like, wow, this is way better than anything. It's way better than going to TJ Maxx. <laughs> TJ Maxx only lasts for 10, 15 minutes. This nourishment lasts forever. You see? <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with going to TJ Maxx because I like going there too. You get some good deals. But when you go there for the wrong reason, because you want to, what, escape from something, that's not the right place to go. The nourishment you need to grow is in the word of God. Amen? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with going to buy a pair of shoes for yourself if your toes are hanging out of your sneakers. <laughs> or if they get so yellow, they start curling up. And they don't think, I think it's time for another pair of sneakers. You know? <laughs> The Lord, as, look, if you're an ambassador for the Lord, you should try to look good for the Lord too. Look your best and take care of yourself as a representative of the Lord. The last thing a person wants to see is somebody all sloppy saying, well, why do I want to become a Christian? I'm taking care of myself in the world. Why do I want to let myself go as a Christian? All the more that we should take care of ourselves to represent the Lord properly. Can I get any men here? People just displace all that. Okay, look at verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Okay, so people rejected him, but God honored him. So when people reject you, guess who's going to honor you? God is going to honor you. And he's the only one that deserves any kind of, he's the one that deserves our honor, to honor us, to live for him. He's the one who created us. He put us here. He put us right here at One Oakley Avenue tonight for a reason. We are created to live right where we are for a reason. Now we know what that reason is, to glorify him and bring others into the kingdom. We now have a purpose. We don't just live for ourselves anymore. We live for him. We put our spiritual antennas on and we go out into the world on a mission field. Saying, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me today? And if you bring somebody into your path that can mention Jesus, then you do it. If you can't mention him, you be like him. You're courteous and kind. You're not always miserable and grumpy. And then people will see something different in you. And they'll say, wow, you handle that well. What, what are you doing? I'm going to church. That's what I'm doing. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is changing me. He's making me see things in a different light. The right light. Instead of complaining, I'm rejoicing. Now it says, you are living stones, verse 5. 
that God is building into his spiritual temple. So you see, we're in this building, but this, the, the building is not the church. I'm the church. You're the church. He's building the church in us. Amen. You see, this is just a place where we gather. This is where people recognize the church. But when you leave here, people should recognize that you're the church. Because they'll say, like they said, you're holier than thou. You're separated. You're a Bible dumper. Where are you going tonight? I'm going to Bible study. Bible study? Don't you know that the voice is on tonight? The finals? You want to go to Bible study? Or the game is on? You know what I'm saying? Say, what? what? No, I don't even know what that stuff's on. What? What is that anyway? And they think you're crazy. You say, oh, that must be boring. No, it's not boring. What you're doing is boring. You do the same thing over and over again and expect to get satisfaction from it. And it never comes. Amen. Somebody asked me, I'm addicted to Jesus. What can I tell you? I'm a slave for him. The result is a lot better to be a slave for him than for the devil. Which people who don't have Jesus are slaves for the devil by default. They don't even know it. That's how this, he's a deceiver. The devil's a deceiver. If you don't have Jesus, you have the devil by default, and you're actually living for him and yourself, and don't even realize it. I know I didn't realize it when I was before, before I got born again. I thought I was just living the way the world lives. I didn't think it was the devil controlling me, but he was. Because there was nothing good. Everything good didn't line up with God. Now it says... He says, what's more, you are his holy priests. Imagine that. He calls us his holy priests, or the holy priesthood. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now, let me explain the spiritual sacrifices here. What are the spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God? Okay, when, when sacrificing an animal according to God's law, a priest would kill the animal, cut it in pieces, and place it on the altar. Sacrifices were important. But even in the Old Testament, God made it clear that obedience from the heart was much more important. We could see that from 1 Samuel 15, 22, Psalm verse 40, uh, chapter 40, verse 6, Amos 5, 21 to 24. God wants us now, his holy priests, to offer ourselves as living, right, living in spiritual sacrifices, daily laying aside our own desires and following him, putting all our energy and resources at his disposal and trusting him to guide us. The New Testament letters help clarify this kind of what this kind of sacrifice looks like. One, we give our bodies and wills to God's control. Romans 12.1. Secondly, we offer our love to God, right? We offer our love to God and to others, Ephesians 5.2. Three, we give money to help in the ministry, Philippians 4.18. And four, we offer praise to God, Hebrews 13, verse 15. That's just what a living sacrifice does. All them things. And you realize all that, there's no room for you, is there? And there's no room for you. If there is a little bit of time left for you, you're going to go to sleep because you're going to be so tired serving the Lord. Because I know me and my wife, I'm telling you, I, 
I'll get on the chair. I mean, after a little bit of time, I'm like out like a light. I'm just so like, because growing spiritually and, and doing the physical, it's, it even, it's even more taxing on your body. That's why it has to be done by the Holy Spirit. Because Paul said how many days he went without sleep, without eating, in the cold. Nothing to eat, no clothes to wear, nothing. But he still endured. God kept him going. He'll keep me going. He'll keep you going too. You make a decision to serve him, it's going to be through his power, not yours. And whatever, I mean, sick, tired. I don't know how many times I've been up here not feeling well and burnt out. As soon as I come here, it's like, zoop, plunk back in. Here we go. It's amazing, the power of God. All right, look at verse 6. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, or in Zion, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And he's quoting Isaiah 28, verse 16 right there. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. Right? But for those who reject him, the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22. And he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. See how the Old Testament is very relevant in the New Testament. Now, he's going to tell us why they stumble. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. So the word of God is to be not just trusted, it is also to be obeyed. Trust and obey is synonymous in the Bible, and so is believe. Believe and obey is synonymous. If you believe something, you become something. So you obey it. Okay. Now let me reiterate on this. There's a lot here. So let's, let's, let's just get into this a little bit. In describing the church as God's spiritual temple, okay, Peter drew on Old Testament text to support this point. Okay? Psalm 118.22, Isaiah 8.14, Right? Peter's readers would have understood the living stones to be Israel. Then Peter applied the image of the cornerstones to Christ. Once again, Peter showed that the church does not cancel the Jewish heritage, but fulfills it. Okay? Peter portrays the church as a living spiritual temple of God, with Christ as the foundation and cornerstone, and each believer as a stone. One body, many parts. Paul portrays the church as a body, with Christ as the head and each believer as a member. Ephesians 4, we just read it. 4, 15 to 16. It's confirmation right there. Both pictures emphasize community. One stone does not make a temple or even a wall. One body part can't function without the others. In our individualistic society, it can be too easy to overlook or neglect our interdependence with other Christians. See, we need each other. I know we need each other. That's why every Sunday I get up here and tell us one body, many parts. Because we need to be together. Amen. We can't build a church with one person. We build a church, each one of us is one of the stones. That's what he's trying to say. 
Each one of us is a stone. And we're building God's temple inside the church. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. And it's, it's up to us to find out what our purpose is and the reason why we got saved. To look and ask the Lord, Lord, what's my gift? What do you want me to do for the church, in the church? What, am I, what is my spiritual gift? And it's up to us to look for it. Okay? Okay, when God calls you to a task, listen now. Remember that he also calls many others to work with you. Together, your individual efforts will be multiplied. Look for those people and join with them to build a beautiful house for God. You see, you see the people that are really dedicated here. Right? That's the core. That's the foundation of the ministry. Now, all of us have a goal to build off of that, to bring others into this. Slowly, till the house is full and we're operating, needing nothing. You get it? That's the whole purpose. <laughs> Look for those. Listen, no doubt Peter often thought of Jesus' words to him right after he confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, which we just read. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Right? And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So... All the powers of hell are trying to destroy the church. But the Bible says that they will not conquer it. We are more than conquerors in Christ. But the problem is, most Christians aren't in Christ. What's in Christ? In the word of God. Using that as the owner's manual of their life. And living by that word. That's why the church crumbles. And that's why we can't unify Okay, now listen. Okay, what is the stone that really counts the most in building, building of the church? Peter answers, Christ himself. Okay, he has to be the head. Jesus Christ is called the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Some will stumble over Christ because they reject him or refuse to believe his true identity. But Psalm 118.22 says, that the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Right? The most important part of God's building, the church. What are the characteristics of Christ, the cornerstone? Number one, he is completely trustworthy. Listen now, okay? Number two, he is precious to believers. Three and three, though rejected by some, he is the most important part of the church. People who refuse to believe in Christ have made the greatest mistake of their lives. They have stumbled over the one person who could save them and give meaning to their lives. And they have fallen into God's hands for judgment. So when it says Christ is the head of the church, now we know that Jesus is a spirit now. Okay, So what, if, what, would, Christ, what would be the head of the church right now? That book you got in your hand. The Bible is the Christ, is the head of the church. So that's why in this church, all we do is read the Bible because that's the head of the church. Can I get an amen here? <laughs> did I, I didn't think I said this. You got the cell phones off tonight, did I? I think I did. Somebody's not listening. <laughs> no, it's my wife, of course. Ha, ha, ha.
It's all good. All right, now listen. Look at verse 9. <laughs> look at verse 9. He says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, or a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you, should, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. How about a big amen there? Okay? Christians sometimes speak of the priesthood of all believers. In Old Testament times, now listen, people did not approach God directly. A priest acted as the intermediary between God and sinful human beings. With Christ's victory on the cross, that pattern changed. Now we can come directly into God's presence without fear. Hebrews 4.16 And we are given the responsibility of bringing others to him also. It tells us 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 to 21. That's our job. When we are united with Christ as members of his body, we join in his priestly work of reconciling God and humanity. And that is an honor. I don't know about anybody else, but this is the greatest honor of my life for the Lord to actually still want to use me after all the stuff that I did in the flesh before. He erased all of that and said, John, you know how bad you are and you know how good I am. He says, I'm going to turn that guy into me. And I said, me? Amen. I said, me? I said, are you kidding me? You've got to be serious. The last thing I would ever think in my life that I was ever going to become a pastor, if anybody knows me from the past, they said, this guy's got horns. He could never be a pastor. But that's what God shows when he can take somebody so ungodly and living from themselves and put them into a position and change them and transform them into something beautiful. I can't believe he's even doing He even did that. And the people that know me from before know the difference. Man, I can't even step on an ant anymore. If that belongs to God, I'll get him and I'll put him outside if he's in the house. Amen. You know? Or if the cat, the cat might eat them. But, you know, if you kill something, you can eat it. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not going to eat it. So I'm not going to kill it. <laughs> I'm not going to eat the spider either. Let me tell you something about spiders. They're, they're good to have around. Because they get rid of all the dangerous insects. They do. They're just creepy. You wouldn't want one crawling on your forehead at night. And believe me, they do. While you're sleeping. Yeah, you swallow them too. I noticed a couple times I woke up and I... What the heck was that? I went and got good life. Something tasted really funny. It had to be a bug or something. It wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. All right. Okay, let's look at verse 10. Now it says in verse 10, see, this is, what it's, this is the beauty of this. Once, we just, once you had no identity as a people, who, why are you here? What's your identity? You ask somebody out there in the world right now, why are you here? Why were you created? They have no identity. Right now, the world, the, 
There's got like no identity right now. Nobody has an identity. I don't know what I am when I wake up every day. They're saying some people are growing whiskers and they're doing their corn cat. It's it's out of control. It's out of control. And there's people actually condoning it and accepting it and saying, oh, we don't want to offend them. Look, if you want to be a cat, go to the zoo. I don't know what to tell you. We're not cats. We're people. You've got to tell them like it is. People don't want to, they don't want to offend them. Look, it's a, you're offending me by look, they're doing that. God created male and female, and that's what I believe. Amen. That's what I believe. Two things, male and female. God doesn't make mistakes. We do. Amen. We make mistakes. And then we go and do something stupid and make all kinds of mistakes and regret it after. Because you can't change, you can't reverse it. All I know is this. This is what God made me to be, and this is who I am. I have to accept that. You know what it is? There's a hole in every person's life that only God can fill. So they have to fill that hole with something else because they can't, they're, not, they're rejecting Jesus, the only one that can fill that void. So they fill it with all kinds of crazy things, thinking that's going to give them, what, completion or make them, but it doesn't. It doesn't satisfy. Nothing does. There's only one thing that does, a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will ever satisfy you. Because God put that hole in you. Look at what it says in verse 10. Once you had no identity, now you are God's people. What an honor. What an honor to be God's people. Think about it. It's an honor. That he take a wretch like me and make me one of his. Or a wretch like you. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And he's quoting Hosea chapter 1, verse 6, 9, 2, and 23. Now look what it says in verse 11. Dear friends, now Peter is warning us right here. He's warning us as believers, as temporary residents. He's saying that this is not your permanent home. He's warning us right now, right here, and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. He's warning us to keep away from that. So that means that that's going to come to us. He wouldn't warn us if it doesn't happen. So we have to keep away from worldly desires. The Bible says to make no provision for the flesh. If you have a weakness somewhere, you have to stay away from that. You can't go and try to test it. Because we cannot win the victory that way. It says to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. What is the eighth trump of the devil? Discouragement. He puts discouragement in the believer because they feel like they're not making any progress. Their sin nature is alive and well. And they get frustrated and discouraged. And they end up what? The flesh starts to get the desires come back again. To get some kind of satisfaction. Missing the mark. Now you're almost there. It takes time to change. Matter of fact, it takes the rest of your life. The change from the darkness to the light. He puts the light in us the moment we believe. Now he's trying to get rid of all the darkness from our lives from the past. To make us, to make us clear of that. Because believe me, 
That identifies you. That defines you now. The way your attitudes and behaviors are are from your past, from what happened to you and the way you were raised. Those are inside of us. They're molded into us. They have to be what? Unlearned. And relearn the Bible. It takes time. Most people don't want to put the time in for that. We're putting the time in, aren't we? Why? Because we know the pain of the flesh and the suffering it causes us that we won't want any part of it anymore. Okay. As believers, we're going to close here. We are temporary residents and foreigners. We have to understand that this isn't our permanent home. In this world, because our real home is with God, heaven is where God lives, not the cloud and hop existence popular in cartoons. Okay? Life in heaven operates according to God's eternal and unshakable principles and values. Heaven came to earth in the symbolism of the Jewish sanctuary, the tabernacle and temple, where God's presence resided. It came in a fuller manner in the person of Jesus Christ, God with us, okay? It spread through the entire world as the Holy Spirit came to live in every believer. Someday, after God judges and destroys all sin, the kingdom of heaven will rule every corner of this earth. Now listen, John saw this day in a vision, and he cried out, Look, God's home is now among his people, in Revelation. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, Revelation 21, verse 3. Our true loyalty should be to our citizenship in heaven, not to our citizenship here. Because the earth will be destroyed and then renewed as the new earth, a physical place where Jesus will live with us. Just imagine the new heaven and new earth. Jesus is going to be with us. It's going to be amazing. Just imagine every day, not tired, not hungry, not sinful, not fighting with the flesh anymore. Not starving. That you don't have to eat anymore. It, back in the garden... Before sin, Adam and Eve didn't need food or drink. They were perfect, complete, spiritual beings, heavenly beings. Until they sinned, then God said, now you're going to be cursed. Now you have to, going to suffer and work. You have to eat and drink and all these things to stay alive. Before they didn't have to do nothing but just follow the Lord. Perfect bliss. The devil came in, boom. And that's what he tries to do with us now, because we can have that now. We can have that peace and that bliss now, if we choose to, and not let sin overrule us. Now listen, our loyalty be, listen, the place where Jesus will live, our loyalty should be to God's truth, his way of life, and his dedicated people. Because we are loyal to God, we will often feel like outsiders in a world hostile or ignorant of God. Listen. But there will come a day when we won't feel that way anymore. Just imagine that day comes when you won't feel that way, alienated or ostracized or persecuted anymore or discouraged or depressed because of what we see around us. You see, if we saw the beauty of heaven all the time, we wouldn't be depressed or discouraged. But we don't see that. What do we see? We see the devil 
right, inside people, bickering with each other, people being selfish and self-centered. And that's what we see. And what does that do? That makes us depressed and discouraged because we have a light in us now that's different from that. And we want to get that light into them, but they don't want to hear it. So that what? It discourages a believer. That's what it is. But there will come a day when we won't feel that way anymore. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And the problem is now, what I live for is to bring others there with me. You know when somebody, you know when the criminal says, if I go down, you go down. It's the other way around now. If I go up, I want you to go up with me too. And it's up to me to get you there, whatever it takes. We never give up trying to bring people into the kingdom with love, all right? We're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that. Dave's going to come up and close us. I know everybody's fighting out there to come up here, but you've got to stay in your seat. <laughs> it's David's turn. That's right. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful to have such a beautiful church that you've given us just to gather together in and hear your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would seek to have a deeper understanding of your word, Lord, and desire heavenly things and not worldly things, Lord. Galatians 5.16 tells us, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't want to do what your sinful nature wants to do. Lord, I pray that we would just humbly and patiently wait on you to guide our lives, Lord, loving others the same way you loved us. Lord, I pray you continue to watch over the church and the congregation, Lord, anybody out there who might be sick, not feeling well, or just might be going through anything, I pray you would touch their hearts and reassure them you'll never leave them or forsake them and that you're with them always. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thanks, bro. All right, we're going to watch your video and close.